And welcome to the studio once again, Scott Sharp. How are you? I'm very, very well. That's good. Very well. Very abrupt answer as well. Uh, look, it was crisp outside this morning. I had mm. uh, ice on my windscreen. Right. I can't imagine that would be helping the plants yeah, too much. Yeah, it's a bit of frost on the grass this morning. <laughs> bit too chilly for my liking. Yeah, oh, look, it's okay if you've got skis, uh, you know, strapped to the bottom of your feet, but... Uh, I do? No, I don't, <laughs> no, don't right now. Don't you be clomping in here. <laughs> Gliding in. Yeah, gliding in. Gliding in. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd uh, talk about uh, sensory gardens, planting a sensory garden, and I'll talk to you about that later while we... Okay. Sensory garden. A sensory garden, Okay, yes. I yeah. thought you said sensory. No, well, no, sensory. Sensory. Yes. It's going to be one of those potato-potato afternoons. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. Uh, Cinderarias and uh, Mr John Atkinson... Uh, emailed us. He drives trains and can't call us, so we thought we'd help him out and answer his question. Right, yeah, we might do that next. Okay. Now, Scott, we had an email. It's almost got a mailbag segment now. We almost have got that. Uh, you can almost. email, you can actually email us here on the show. Which is guarding at 2 com. Very good, very good. What a memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and look, we, uh, this uh, is uh, comes from uh, John Aitchison. 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 John's a train driver, so he actually can't Call up call and, oh, and talk to us. Which fair is enough. Probably good, you know, if he's heading into Central Station, you know, through Star- Strathfield or something like exactly, that. Exactly, or maybe he's on the coal trains as well. He could be doing that. So he's probably got to have both hands on the old Deadman's brake, I'd say, to keep the train moving forwards. I'd imagine so. Yes. I've never driven a train before, so I haven't either. I don't know the ins and outs of, a, uh, of the training. I reckon those uh, coal trains would be pretty, uh, pretty heavy as well. They would be. They're yeah. long. Long, yeah. So if you had to bring one to a quick stop, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> So, look, uh, actually, I, thought, I was looking at John's garden. It, it looks like he's got a bit of an oriental sort of um, Asian feel there. It does a bit, I thought it, it might have been, a, you know, driving a bullet train in Japan. It's like those little small sort of little Japanese backyard gardens. It's a wonder he's not uh, cooking ramen or something there as well. Maybe he is. He, maybe he is. Maybe he is. <laughs> so, look, John has got a uh, citrus tree. He sent us a couple of really great photos. I've blown the budget. I've actually printed them out in colour so Greg can have exactly. a look at them as well. Our Christmas party is cancelled. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> but he's got a, a picture of his orange tree sent in. It looks like a Lane's late navel. Now, he says in his email to us uh, that he's put it into really good citrus potting mix, and that's an important thing to do because citrus are very heavy feeders. He says that he's uh, that it's got uh, decent sunlight, and that's really important yep. for citrus as well because they do need full sun to flower and fruit properly, and that also cuts down on any uh, pest and disease that they might get. He's also said that he's been watering it well. Now, this is where we might have to... Uh, what happens when the train goes off to a... Derails. To, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. When it goes off like to a siding or something like that. We might have to part... Part ways. Uh, part ways on There's this a split one. In the track. Yes. I think there is, John, on this one. Uh, mate, I reckon the problem with your citrus is that it has dried out. Uh, it looks like, it's only looks like it's a very young plant that you've got potted up there. And, uh, you know, in winter, even though it's quite cool, uh, you know, things can dry out, especially if there's a lot of wind around blowing across the plant. Uh, look, I reckon yours has dried out at some point in time. Uh, it wouldn't take long. It could, could just be an afternoon. Yep. You know, that that's happened and the, the plant started to wilt like that. What you're probably going to find out, John, is that it's going to drop its leaves. Don't despair. Don't feed it with anything, though. Just keep on watering it and you find that it will, when we get closer to spring or even, you know, as we get into August, it will start to reshoot again for you. So don't be concerned about uh, your orange tree. I reckon it's just dried out a little bit. Uh, make sure you're watering it really well. I mean every day. Uh, if it's windy, even if it's cool, you could probably do it twice a day as well. 
Right. Well, I think a lot of people forget that in winter as well, you keep watering. Yeah, you have to keep watering. Uh, look, we'll probably talk about bamboo as well later on in the show, about how you need to keep on watering it as well. Uh, and especially when we get to those uh, westerly winds that we get, uh, you know, I guess well, October, sometimes they come a bit earlier, yep. but they're really very drying to the plant. Low humidity, uh, the wind's blowing across the plant, it dries it out. So, John, just keep on watering your uh, your orange tree, keep on cooking up the ramen in the back uh, in the backyard and all will be well. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like we're having ramen now. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. We've got Ralph from Elmore Vale, and he's got a question about Guildford grass. Ralph, how can we help you? <laughs> Is that a dirty word on the radio, Guildford grass? Oh, no, no, no. We can talk. We can talk about whatever you'd like. <laughs> Up to a point. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's taking over my yard. Yep, yep. I've been, I've been pulling it out lately after we had the fortnight's rain, and that was okay, but... Uh, I've only done about 15 square metres, and I've got a very large yard. Okay. Uh, look, it, it is difficult to get rid of. Uh, is it through, did you say it's through your lawn as well? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, especially at the moment when the grass has stopped growing, it just keeps on growing uh, up above the lawn for you, and you sort of notice it yeah. a bit more. Uh, look, we've had a couple of different, uh, you know, methods to get rid of it. My one is to put on some rubber gloves or some, you know, those disposable gloves, then put your, uh, another cotton glove on and dip your uh, fingers in the poison and just wipe it directly over the leaf of the, of the weed. Uh, some people have come up, you know, used to be able to get the old Yates weed wand. I'm pretty sure you can still get those out there in some form or another. Uh, the, another uh, method has been just to get, you know, a very small paintbrush and just paint the uh, straight-up roundup uh, over, over the leaves of the weed. So, unfortunately, they're really the only ways you can get rid of it. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so am <laughs> <Yeah>. I. <laughs> Yeah, don't try, and, don't try and dig it out. Uh, it'll just keep on spreading around uh, the bulbs. It'll just keep on uh, breaking off at the bottom and spread around. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cheers. Thank you. Sorry about the bad news, Ralph. Yes. Okay. Have a good afternoon, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. It's, it's sad we have to, go, have to give bad news to people. We do, I know, but, we, you know, we can be the bearer of bad tidings, but at least we don't, you know, we cut straight to the chase and we come out exactly. there. Exactly. We don't beat around the bush, so we, to speak. We don't, do we? <laughs> Not here on Gardening <laughs> Talkback. <laughs> We've got Bruce now from Ellie Barno. He's got a question about Kaiku. Kaiku, lawn. Kaiku. Yes, it's a, you probably walk all over it when you go out and get your paper in the morning. How can oh. we help you with yours, Bruce? Yeah, g'day, Scott. How are you going? Pretty well, mate. Mate, um, a couple of things. There was a chap that phoned in last week about um, getting rid of Kaikyu in um, a cooch lawn. Yes, that's correct, yeah. And um, it was me that spoke to your mum, Judy, uh, oh, a couple of months back. Okay, yes. And what I've used, um, not entirely successful, I'm still working on it, mm -hmm. is um, I spray it with wintergrass killer. Yeah, okay. And I think I said anti-paspalin uh, killer last year and I, I, last week, and I think I was wrong about that. So you're right, it is that uh, wintergrass killer. We used to call it endothal. Endothal, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, I guess the only trouble with doing that is it's very expensive, as you've probably found out. Yep, it is. Um, <laughs> if nothing else, though, what it does do, it, it, it causes the kaikyuga to yellow, mm -hmm. and um, at least then you can start to pull it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a combination. Um, it, it certainly makes it stand out in the against the kaikyuga, against the um, cooch, and from there you can sort of get a get a shot at it. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Scott, I wanted to have, have a question, a little uh, quick one about was um, I have a um, a lime tree. Um, and I wanted to, it's not a Tahitian lime, it's a um, kaffir lime. Yes. I wanted to put it into a northern uh, position. It's in a large pot at the moment, and it's and against a brick wall. Would it suit there? 
Oh, look, that'll be fine for it. Uh, so it's going to get full sun most of the day. Yes. Uh, against a brick wall, it might get a little bit too hot in you know in the heat of summer, especially being in a pot, unless you're at home uh, able to water it all the time. I, I am actually. Okay, so look, that, that'd be an ideal spot for it. And then especially in winter, it's not going to, you know, feel the cold. It's going to have the, you know, the nice uh, winter sun on it all day as well. That's right, and the reflected warmth coming out of the brickwork, and um, I just didn't want to cook it, that was all. Yeah, look, and, that, and that would be the concern with it. You just have to monitor s- to see how, you know, hot it's getting, uh, you know, during those really, really warm days we get in January. Uh, you know, you might even have to just go out there and give it a mystery, you know, a light water, um, you know, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but yeah. uh, make sure it's really well watered in the morning and again, uh, you know, later in on the evening. evening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, mate, okay. thanks very much. Okay, I thanks for that about help. the uh, endothel too. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, cheers, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Bye now. Then we've got David from Morpeth. And, Scott, he's got a question about cycads. David, how can we help you? How are you, Scott? Yeah, pretty well, mate, pretty well. Um, I've got one in the backyard, and it's got a, I don't know whether you call it a flower or a seed pod in the centre of it. Yep, yep. Um, what happens with those? Do they eventually fall off, or what? That's it, quite a large... Um, what is it? Is it called a flower or is it a seed pod? Or Yeah, look, I call it a seed pod. Uh, so, it, look, the seeds will eventually just uh, disperse from out of there if you leave it on the plant. Yep. Now, the only, tra- the only thing I've seen happen with cycads when, that ha- when you know, people allow that to occur is that uh, you sort of almost get this multi-planted. So you get your main plant in the middle and then all of a sudden you get all these babies sort of coming up all around it. So you get this big sort of clump of cycad, if you can imagine what I mean, yep, yep, yep. Uh, rather than having, you know, the nice, uh, you know, sort of just the single plant that you might have in your garden at the moment. So it gets a bit cluttered if you let that occur. Yeah. But, well, uh, listen, it, it's fairly prickly, you know. That it is. I, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you about that. So how about coming up and helping me, you know, <laughs> take it out so that I... You're the expert, uh, and we'll lift it out of the centre, and, and you can have some of the seed. Yeah, look, look, I've, um, yeah, look, it's tempting. It's very tempting. Uh, I've, I did have a big set of uh, welders, sort of gauntlets that I had to use once uh, to do them, and uh, I've got to tell you, they still went through. Uh, yeah. it wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. You're, you're doing doing fairly well in the bad news department today. <laughs> now, look, they, they were called dinosaur plants because cycads have been around for so long. They reckon they were, you know, back, you know, around when the dinosaurs were there. Um, so I don't know if you've got a stray, you know, Tyrannosaurus or something up there, mate. But they're carnivores, aren't they? Just so, a pterodactyl yeah, yeah, and, 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 and it'd probably tickle on the way way down. Yeah. That'd be the problem. Well, it probably would, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Thanks for that. Right, bye-bye. Okay, see you, David. Bye-bye. Cheers, David. We've got Sue now from Stroud, and she needs advice on type of plants to use for a hedge on the south side of the veranda. Okay, Sue, tell us about uh, what you're looking for. Okay. um, Yes, I have have a a veranda at the back of the house, and um, it's actually not a metre high, so I don't actually have to put a railing around. Yeah. uh, and I'm glad because I have a lovely view from my back veranda and I didn't want to obscure the view. So um, I've, I'm going to plant in the front of the veranda um, camellias. Uh, that yes. face is east, right? But at the end of the veranda, um, on the south side, um, I was advised by somebody that maybe that would be too cold for camellias. Um, there's no wall. It's um, it's all open under the house. 
um, and it doesn't ever get sun except in the summertime at the end of the day. Um, so it's kind of like southwest, if you know what I mean. Yeah, look, it sounds like a really difficult spot. Uh, so it's going to get all the wind and weather coming up from the south and, you know, yeah, also so. going to be in winter, especially, you know, virtually in the shade. So you've given yeah. us a really tricky spot to try and work with there. Um, but I reckon camellias actually would do, you know, would go all right for you. Uh, now, you can also... Oh. You can use Camellia japonicas if you want to. They're the larger leafed one with the yeah. uh, larger flower. And, and look, I always thought, oh, you know, they're no good for uh, hedging. But I remember talking to a Camellia grower a couple of years ago uh, about them. And he said, oh, no, 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 japonicas make fantastic hedges as well. And uh, yeah. the, the other good thing about them is they're not, you know, overly fast growing. So they're not going to, you know, grow up and obscure your view for you. And, uh, you know, they're not going to, you know, grow so quickly that, you know, you're out there pruning them every uh, couple of weeks or so. So, look, I, yeah. I reckon that, uh, you know, comedias would probably do the job for you quite nicely there. Uh, right. There, there's another little native plant that I was thinking about as well called uh, Acmena Allen Magic. Uh, it's only a low... Well, it probably gets up to about, oh, you know, a metre at the max, you know, over time. Uh, look, it does like being out in the sun, but I reckon it would tolerate some shadier conditions for you as well. Right, that may be a little bit um, low. I want, I, want the, I want it to come up... Um Oh, you, you actually want it to come up and uh, more or less pro provide a little bit of screening for you, do you? Um, well, actually, just... Um, to provide a little bit of security. Yeah. We'll pick, I have children not falling off the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I reckon if I were you, I'd give Camellia japonicas a go and then again in winter you're going to get the beautiful flowers all over them as well. Right. And provide a bit of, uh, you, you know, contrast, bit of, uh, you know, sort of show and shine in the middle of, uh, in the middle of winter. Well, that would be nice. Well, the ones that I'm planting along the front, um, there's uh, the Camellia Yes, it, so. yeah, that's all right. It's a Sanquo. Right. Yeah, everyone wants to say Sasquatch, you know. It's, it's but we're yeah. not we're not with Bigfoot up there in Stroud. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so it is Camellia Sasanqua, and they will tolerate more sun, and that's why I went with Japonica for you because they'll tolerate uh, you know quite a lot more shade. Oh, great! Yeah. All right, and how wide would they grow? Like I've got a two meter length mm -hmm. that I want it to fill. Yes. So would you say three? Oh yes, so you've only got to fill two meters, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, that that if three, I'd probably only put in two there, but three would certainly get uh, you know a nice little hedge growing quickly for you. Oh, good, good. Okay. Okay. Lovely. Okay. You have a nice afternoon, Sue. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye-bye now. And we've got Terry from Salamander Bay in Scott. He needs advice about watering the garden and lawn. Hey, Terry, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. Uh, yes, uh, I've got an old buffalo lawn. I mean, the real old-fashioned sort, you know, that's probably 50 years old, yeah. this lawn. And it's probably browned um, off a bit and gone a bit crunchy underfoot yeah. in winter. Well, uh, not not too bad at the minute, but what I was wondering is, um, how how often should I, you know, we've had this dry spell, how often should I water it during winter? I, I sort of don't water it much at all, and I was wondering if that's the correct thing to do, because, uh, you know, it's holding up. The winter grass is terrific at the minute. Uh so, as I say, it's not a terrific lawn, but I don't, wouldn't like it to get dried underneath, you know? Yeah, look, it's a difficult thing with uh, buffalo lawn because it largely goes dormant during winter and, you know, it just stops growing completely, as you've probably noticed. Oh, yeah, it's just not doing anything. I think I've made it and I've... 
from a very clean mower, but I, I think at last time I did it was about seven weeks, uh, which is pretty unusual. Yeah, that'd be about right. And look, if you've you know you got rain every couple of weeks in winter, then usually that'll get by. But uh, you know, if it starts to get you know very windy, especially where you are up at Salamander, you've probably got a bit of sand underneath as well, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah. Say the rutile. <laughs> so look, I, look, I would probably go out every fortnight and just uh, you know give it a light water. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be in too much; just enough, just to you know uh, soak it down into the roots a little bit, and just give it something to keep it going. Because you don't want uh, you know sections of it starting to die off as you go into <laughs> spring, and then all of a sudden the weeds take over a whole lot more quickly than the grass does. Yes, well, but speaking of weeds, I always think, and I'm not, I, I wouldn't know, but if I water it in winter, the weeds will thrive pretty well. Was that true or not? Yeah, look, that, that's, I mean, you, that can happen as well. Uh, but again, you, there's the danger of, you know, not watering your lawn uh, when it is dry okay. and, you know, leaving, right. leaving bare patches. So you just have to be vigilant yeah. about what weeds are coming through if you are out there watering it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, sorry to take up your time, but... Uh, that's, what we're here, that's what we're here for, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, pal. Okay, Scott. Okay, thanks for that, Terry. Have a nice afternoon, mate. Bye-bye, okay. you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 RFM. We've got Doug from Lampton, and he's got a question about a combination of lemon and lime trees. Mm, sounds interesting. Doug, how can we help you? Uh, well, mate, what happened? I've had it about eight years. Yep, yep. And what happened... Um, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I made the mistake of cutting the graft off. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and ever since, yeah. ever since, we've never had a fruit off it. It just sort of grows all right. Yeah. grows wild, but it doesn't fruit, it doesn't do anything, it just stands there. Yeah, okay. So, look, I'll just make a quick explanation for people. Uh, uh, it's, you know, it's something you can buy out in the shops and the garden centres uh, is a sort of a double-grafted lemon and lime tree. And I'm, you know, Greg's sort of looking at me a little yep. bit vaguely here at the moment, so I'm... I'm bit confused. Okay, so here we go. So, Greg, you've got your lemon tree and people yeah. want to have a lime tree or an orange tree or some yeah. other sort of citrus. So they actually... I'm doing a little show here for him as well. They just <laughs> graft the... Uh, like a a piece of you know orange or lime onto the side of that lemon oh, tree right, okay. and they both use the same root system yep. to grow so eventually you'll get a lemon on one side and, and a lime tree on the other but yeah. what can happen is that uh, sometimes the, the lemon trees become uh, more vigorous yep. and they can actually take over. Or like what Doug's done, he's unfortunately, it sounds like he's cut down below the graft or he's cut one of them off. Oh, right. Yeah. So what you're probably getting now, Doug, is just the wild root stock growing up. Describe the leaves that you've got. Are they big, you know, sort of uh, citrusy leaves? Are they quite small, tight little leaves and very thorny at the moment? Uh, well, the trees are very thorny, but the no, the, the leaves are probably about three inches long. Oh, okay. So it's, it sounds like you've still got one of the the citrus plants there. It, it sounds like you've probably just cut off either the the lemon section or yeah. the, or the lime section. Uh, so look, it's never had it's never had either fruit on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's unusual. <laughs> and how how long's that been since it hasn't had a fruit? Well. And, Probably had in eight years. It's probably had about three. Oh, okay. And you've got it in a pot, have you? No, it's in the ground. Okay. Uh, look, again, they are very heavy feeders, citrus. So you need to feed them about three times a year. But it's unusual, mate, that you've got to plant that age, and uh, you know that it, it hasn't had fruit on there properly for you. Uh, 
Look, what I would... I, I, I've... Look, they're a great idea, but I've always been worried that one side would take over. Um, I've always thought if you want a lime tree, plant a lime tree. If you want a lemon tree, plant a lemon tree. If you want, you know, a lemon and a lime tree, plant two trees. Um, I know it sounds simple, but... Uh, and, and then you can look after them individually in that case. Uh, now, with citrus trees, they really like poultry manure. They like slightly alkaline soil. So if you've got uh, access to some poultry manure, uh, certainly use that. Um, or if you're going to, you know, dig out a hole to plant a new tree, um, go grab some poultry manure, sort of dig it through the soil that you're going to, you know, in the area you're going to plant it and wait a couple of weeks and then you could plant your tree directly into that area. Uh, it's probably I'm wasting my time. Oh, look, you're not, you're not wasting your time. Uh, maybe with the one you've got there, if it hasn't done the trick for you after eight years, I'd be saying, yeah, um, you know, time to move on. Um, uh, but uh, now these, now these curl, out, curl up too. They're yeah. looking all right at the moment, but, you know, next week they'll be all curly. And I, I used to put white oil on them. Yeah, but look, leaf curl and citrus leaf minor are, is a problem that can happen to any citrus, uh, you know, especially when you get around the, the humid months. Uh, so, look, you, can, you can't sort of despair about that. You just have to treat that and uh, make sure your plant's being well watered as well. Yeah, it costs a fortune. Uh, look, they, they do because they're a little bit special because someone's taken all that time to do the double graft. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and that's the other reason why I've always been a bit, um, you know, not... Yeah. You know, if you if you've got the space, why not just plant two trees? I think so. Yep. I and then then you've sort of the moment, you've doubled your luck as well. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah. only a spur of the moment thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds a good idea. Okay, but look, mate, if it's not if it's not working for you, I'd um, I'd uh, yeah try again with something different. All right, mate. Thanks okay. For trouble. Good on you, Doug. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, mate. Cheers. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Alwyn? Alwyn? You're, you're the one with... You're the best with names around here, not me. Why don't we talk to uh, Alwyn and we'll find out? Yes, it's Alwyn. Oh. <laughs> what did I say, Alwyn? <laughs> thanks, thanks, mate. You can put Greg out of his misery. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Welsh. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Um... I wanted to talk to you, uh, catch you up on the cauliflowers and broccoli I had in the one bed here a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I rang you about them. Ask you why the cauliflowers weren't doing any good. Well, I can assure you they're not doing, still not doing oh, any good. Oh, no, okay. Uh, but the broccoli are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the broccoli that we picked weighed 875 grams. Wow, that's uh, that's quite heavy, isn't it? That's a, that's a ripper. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Look, Look I've, I've around half a kilo. I've always thought broccoli were easier to grow than cauliflower. Um, yeah, cauliflower could be a bit touchy in this area. Yeah, um, uh, well, total failure here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, I was trying it to be different. I, I, I said to you that I'd try cutting one of them off, and that didn't help either. That's right, yeah. Look, and I was just trying to be diplomatic then when I said, uh, you know, maybe they're not so successful in this area. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you've, you've called a spade a spade there, and we like that. Um, also, what I really want to ask you about is, is there a, a variety of white carrot? Uh, yeah, uh, look, I've seen the purpley sort of black one. Uh, yeah, white... We've got them and I've got orange carrots. Yeah, see, I always thought that a white carrot was really just a, what is it, a parsnip? Yeah, parsnip. No. 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 <laughs> no I put a, a half a packet of carrot seeds in and this, I just pulled it today, a, a white carrot. And it looks very similar to a parsnip. Yeah. But 
smells and tastes like a carrot. Okay. Because my wife and I both tried the little runner roots off the bottom of it. Yep. And it's definitely a nice sweet carrot like all the other carrots in the patch. Ah, so you might you might have got sort of high ho silver in a way there. You might have got the albino <laughs> carrot. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, you should have been saving it for the seed in that case. Uh, yeah, well, no. you don't know till you pull it out, do you? No, you certainly don't, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, okay. that, that, that solved that problem too. <laughs> okay. All right, okay. thanks. Thanks, thanks Alan. That, Have a nice afternoon, mate. Yeah, you too. Cheers, bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. I've never heard of white carrots before. Oh, I've never heard of it either. But, I've um, heard of yellow ones. I saw something in the news the other day about a white magpie down in Melbourne they've found. White magpie? Oh, and there's that um, funny whale that goes around. What's it called? Um, the white whale? The white whale, yeah. Not Moby Dick. No, that's... Is it Moby Dick's the... It's it's the, the whale. It's the whale, yeah. But there is a bit a white blue whale or a white sort of humpback whale swimming up the coast somewhere. A white, well. a white bluish, a whitish whale. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got Barry on the line from Terrell with Scott, and he's got a question about citrus trees. How can we help you with it, Barry? How you going, Scott? Pretty well, mate. Um, mandarin trees. When are they supposed to fruit? Uh, yes, they, well, they should have their fruit on them now, so that the cold's making them, um, you know, taste nice and sweet. Yeah, I've got an orange and a mandarin tree, yeah. and and the orange is really powered. But the mandarin tree, I, I every year I get fruit off them, but I haven't got any fruit at all on this on this tree. Okay, and so look, citrus can do that some years. You know, for some reason they just, they just won't you know fruit very well for you. Um, and look, I, I don't you know stress about it too much. Uh, just make sure you keep up your feeding regime with the plant that you you know that it's being well watered at the you know the right times. Uh, and you'll probably find the next year it'll just come back again for you, and, and you know you'll have a bumper crop. Yeah, and I do all that, and plus I got chooks, so you know it's yeah. well fertilised as well. And they cer- um, and they certainly do like chook manure, so you've got the right sort of uh, bird there doing its business. Yeah, like I said, this is the first year it hasn't plant, uh, flowered. But I've also got another question. My passion fruit vine, I've got a, a big passion fruit vine. And it's been fruiting now for oh, six months. Yep. But they just won't ripen. Yeah, look, again, it's just because of winter. My next door neighbour, he's got a, a passion fruit vine, which sort of invaded my yard this year. But I was quite happy with that. It's sort of invaded? It did very much invaded my <laughs> yard. Uh, and it was one of those the ones with the beautiful big yellow passion fruits. Uh, and so we were, we were getting quite a large harvest off, the, off that. Um, I was having to toss them back over at him, actually. <laughs> we were getting that many. But what happened, as soon as we got to, oh, look, let me say towards the end of May, when it really started to cool down, down, they were we had a, you know a lot of them on there still green they were sort of starting to turn yellow but what's happening once we, the colder and colder it got they're just actually sort of dropping uh, like little bombs uh, into my yard and that's from, what, from that's the trees what these above. are doing yeah so are they fruiting off season scott they do and i think uh, look my my take on it was is we have that warm weather all the way up it stays warm stays warm you know into may and then all of a sudden it goes cold so the plants there thinking to itself oh you know it's still spring it's still summer i'm going to keep on setting fruit and it does, but uh, then, you know, we get to that cold snap and they're just never going to ripen. What we probably should have done uh, is, you know, given it a prune back and uh, just let it sit rather than leaving the, the fruit all over there and actually dropping on the ground in my place now. 
Uh, well, that's what I should do with this because it's massive. It grows up through the chook pan and around my veggie garden and everything. So that might be a, yeah, a possibility I'd like to prune it back. Would that be all right doing that now? Uh, look, you could uh, look. I'd probably wait two weeks now, and we are almost at the end of July. So I'd, I'd wait a fortnight before I did that. Um, you know, fingers crossed we're going to get some warmer weather soon. But then, uh, yes, yeah, certainly you can give it a prune back then. The other reason for, you know, to give it a prune back, especially if there's lots of green fruit sitting on there, the plant's still putting energy into that fruit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for no result. So you might as well reduce the stress on the plant and uh, allow it to sort of regenerate uh, when we get, you know, to the warmer months and then hopefully you'll get a bumper crop out of it again. Yeah, well, it serves two reasons. It gives the chooks a bit of shade as well mm-hmm. from you know, from the sun, so, yeah. All right, mate. Thank you for that. Okay, good on you. Thanks, Barry. See you, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Scott, I think we've got time for a couple of more calls. Okay. And we've got Deidre on the line from Barangston. And she's got a question about broad beans. Deidre, how can we help you? Oh, hello, Scott. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. That's good. Um, I've got broad beans or lack of. I've got beautiful, healthy plants, lots and lots of flowers and bees and absolutely no pods. And they've been in since um, end of May. Okay, that sounds a bit unusual because you should be getting your beans uh, coming on there now. Uh, and they've got, um, they're really tall too. Yeah. They're about a metre, metre and a half approximately. And they're in good soil. Yeah. And you, mm. said, and you said you've had plenty of, uh, you know, flowers. Oh, there's lots, loaded yeah. with flowers. And there's lots of bees because I've got some bok choy going to seed beside them mm-hmm. and the bees love them. So. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that, I didn't know that. So that sounds like a good tip to have the bees in the garden as well. Yeah. Uh, look, I haven't got an exact answer for you on that no, one. Sounds no. like you're doing all the right things. Uh, yeah, we've grown them before. Yeah. But, you know, we're getting loads of them. Everything else, like is coming on in the same sort of soil, so... Yeah, and look, again, some you know we are dealing with nature here, and we were just talking mm. to uh, Barry then uh, about his citrus tree and just, you know, how weird yeah. and wonderful things can happen, uh, you know, just because, you know, you know, we don't get some rain or, but you know... I'm wondering if it just hasn't been cold enough, although we've been getting some cold mornings now, but... Uh, well, now we're getting... warm during the day. Yeah, now we're getting some cold mornings, but again, it's been very dry, uh, it you know. Has. Yeah, it's extremely dry here at Brankston. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, when it gets cool, people still think, "Oh, you know, it's you know, it's wet, you know, it's winter, you know, don't have to worry." But I reckon, yeah. you know, we haven't had decent rain now for oh, uh, probably yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah, months, six time. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that that can be uh, you know affecting the plant. You know, the plant is not in that rhythm that it needs to be into. Uh, you know, to fruit yeah, and flower successfully. The plant so. itself is lovely and green and healthy looking. So, mm. and, and look, maybe that's all it needs. We just need some soaking rain, and it will actually yes. trigger the, all those flowers. Then you know, oh, hang on, we've got enough energy here now to yes. uh, to go on and uh, you know form the fruit, form yes, the beans. So yeah. We'll- sort of thing you're pulling them up it's probably best to leave them in another few weeks and see what happens yeah look you might as well you know we're sort of in in betwixt and in between at the moment aren't we you know it's still too cold to you know start getting your spring and summer plants in so uh, look leaving them in a few more weeks and seeing what happens Mm. is certainly not going to uh, be harmful at all no just taking up room in the garden all right scott thank you very much thanks for the call bye-bye bye Thanks, Deidre. We've got Julie now from Gilliston Heights, and she's got a question about the water lily. Julie, how can we help you? Scott, I've got, um, I was given a water lily plant oh, five, six years ago, and now I've had it in a pond and it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, they multiply. I think the hyacinth has got a purple leaf lily that comes up. Yes. 
and I'm going to get rid of it. And then someone said to me, you can't, it's an obnoxious weed. Is this true? Uh, yes, look, some hyacinth are, are noxious weeds. So if you are going to get rid of it, uh, just sort of take it out, get rid of the bulbs or the, the whole plant, wrap it up in like a garbage bag of some sort. Uh, it, maybe even two garbage bags if you know it's too big uh, and then just put it into the garbage and uh, you know send it off to sort of uh, the waste centre where they'll bury yeah. it properly yeah you certainly wouldn't discard it in the waterways no no well that was the thing someone asked me for it and they said oh they wanted to put it in a dam and then another person said oh you can't do that because yeah. if they get it in the big dams that causes problems so it's better just to put it in the garbage and get rid of it. It's certainly, yeah. And look, uh, certain uh, councils have, you know, they have different rules as to what is a noxious weed. Um, mm. So, you know, up the north coast, uh, camphor laurels are a noxious weed, but down here in Newcastle, they're not classed as a noxious weed. Uh, you know, that's just an example. So, but look, it, it, as far as hyacinth go, in dams, yes, they will start to take over. So I would just be getting ri- wrapping up in plastic and uh, discarding it through the bin. Okay, Dan. Thank okay. you, Scott. Thank you for that, Bye. Julie. Cheers. Thanks for that, Julie. That's all we've got. That's all we've got. That's our last call for today, Scott. Okay. But before you before you walk out... Yes. There's something that you want to get off your chest? Uh, Gardening-wise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Very good. Uh, any, any other topic that you want to bring up is yes, what I'm sorry. Uh, what I'm right, okay. That's where, that's where we're going to then, was it? I, you had this, this sort of uh, almost frightened look in your eye then. A little bit frightened. Towards me. I, well, we're going to talk about, uh, like, making up a sensory garden. Oh, that's right. Yes. Sensory or sensory? No, sensory. Sensory. Yep. So, uh, and look, the reason we were talking, having a coffee this morning, yep. a small group of us, and we were talking about how uh, there was a... Uh, a, uh, a survey on the ABC the other night about how uh, you know iPads have taken over and taken over the imagination. So yep. we thought we'd uh, make up a garden you know that uh, has sight, sound, touch, smell, and taste included. Oh, so, right. Yeah, we could all, probably we, all the five. All the five. So we we'll probably talk about that in a bit more detail in the next couple of weeks if you want to. The we'll different have to, plants you could put into because time is against us. Okay, as it is every week. There we go. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. You're away next week, and I'll be back the week after. You got Jude next week. Rightio. Yeah. Excellent. So she's let back out again. She is. Yeah, we've unpadlocked the uh, the uh, the gate, the gate, so to speak. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. It's Gardening Talk back on Two and You Are FM.